0: Amen. Thank you, worship team. Children, you are now dismissed. Thank you for joining us for our communion Sunday. Well, uh, I was remiss and I didn't say welcome to church. And those of you who are visiting with us, we would like to say welcome to you as well. Thank you for being here with us on this rainy, rainy Sunday. Well, we are going to be in entering a new series. We're going to leave the book of John for a short time, and we're going to move into a, an Advent series where we investigate or examine Advent. Where well, we're going to be looking at hope, peace, joy, and love, and how those words became the reason for Advent and how those words define each Advent Sunday. So this morning, we're going to be examining the Advent as we look at hope and we're going to be looking at the announcement of hope i'm going to pray and then we are going to dive into the word of the lord together uh, and may the lord be with you let us pray father we love you we thank you for this time that we can gather together freely and worship you we thank you father for the reminder of the hope that we have in you as we have come to the table and have remembered your death and your resurrection and how it was for us Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will fall fresh upon us this morning. As we open your word, may your word speak deeply to our hearts. Spirit of God, we ask for you to reveal truth. We ask for you to speak to us, even though we have heard this story a hundred times before. Spirit of the living God, give us fresh eyes. Fresh eyes to see and fresh eyes to hear, fresh ears to hear. I pray that this won't just be a time where we learn something new, Father, but we become someone new. In your name, amen. Amen. Announcements can have a stir of mixed feelings, right? As you get up and you hear announcements from church, whether it's video or live, you can sit there and say, okay, I'm going to check out for a couple of minutes. <laughs> there's, these announcements are going on. Or there's announcements at a football game where they're announcing your favorite players and there might be cheers and excitement. Or there could be an announcement while you were at school over the loudspeaker that said your name and said, please come to the office. I remember I had an announcement like that when I was in middle school, and it was never, ever, 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 ever a good time for your name to be over the announcements. In my middle school, it wasn't like a, you've won $500. No, it was, please come to the office because you're about to be suspended or you're really in trouble, right? And so that type of announcement stirs up some kind of fear or, oh, no, thinking back through the day, what in the world have I done to deserve my name over the loudspeaker? There's all kinds of different types of announcements. There's all kinds of different feelings that we have at announcements. And the announcement that we're going to be looking at today, the announcement that Gabriel gave to Mary stirred some emotion, stirred some feelings in her life, and stirs within us excitement and anticipation as we hear what Gabriel said to Mary. Now, God can give us announcements in our own lives where he calls us to something, and we can have trepidation, and we can look at those types of announcements as God calls us to something, and we can say, okay, that's really great, but I don't want to play that type of part in that particular thing that God is calling me to. We see a story here of a a young girl who accepted her role And we see the story of of this announcement, which is a true reality of life, that in this announcement, Gabriel was announcing hope. And so we're going to answer the question, what hope did Gabriel's announcement bring? But I know we can stand on this one point, that the hope of mankind rested on a yet unborn child. That the announcement, above all things, tells us that our hope was upon a tiny little baby. That's a remarkable thought. And if you think about it in that context, not hearing it before, if somebody were to say to you, your little baby is a miracle so much that the world is going to be changed, it'd be a difficult task to believe that. But here, Gabriel brings us hope. If you'd read with me Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, we will see how there is hope in the announcement that Gabriel gives. Luke 1, chapter 26 through 38. The word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. What a powerful story of hope. I believe that there are nine aspects of hope that we can pick out. You're saying, Wow, that's a lot of hope. It is a lot of hope. You see, Luke was not only a doctor. He was a historian, and he was a theologian, and the way he developed his gospel is a little bit different than the other gospels. Luke did one-on-one interviews with people and asked them, what was the story? What was going on in your heart? What were the emotions that were happening? What was the real story, the scoop? As he interviewed Mary, this comes directly from Mary's account. This is Mary's word explaining exactly to Luke and then to us what had happened. The words that the Lord spoke, the feelings that she experienced. And you'll look later on and see the song that she sung in anticipation and in excitement. Some people sing the song, Mary Did You Know? And it's a good song, but Mary knew. <laughs> she did. This answers the question of did she know, because Gabriel came and gave her these specific instructions and the specific announcement of hope, where he gave her nine layers and nine aspects of hope. The first aspect of hope that we can see is that the hope of undeserving grace came with this announcement. In this announcement of hope, we see the hope of undeserving grace. Well, why do I say that? Gabriel shows up on the scene, and the first thing he says is, O favored one. Greetings, O favored one. What does that mean? What is is Gabriel saying to Mary? He's saying, God has given you grace. God has given you, Mary, grace. And this undeserving grace is now going to be available for everyone who believes. And we can see that as Luke unfolds the gospel and unfolds the theology of the cross, that this was just the very beginning, the announcement of the hope of undeserving grace. Mary, who was maybe 13 to 16 years old, receives this, this announcement to her as she's inside. We have no idea what was going on around her or what was happening that day. But Gabriel comes and says, greetings, O favored one. Now, that's kind of an interesting greeting, because Mary was not sinless. Mary was a regular human. Mary was a a woman who was betrothed and getting herself ready to be married. Now, you might say, well, that's really young, 13 to 16 years old. That's just the way it was back in those days. But imagine a 13-year-old girl hearing this announcement, saying, you don't deserve it, but guess what? Something great is going to happen in your life. Man, that's a powerful announcement of hope. And you and I, we can experience that same announcement of hope because that hope is for you and for me in Jesus. That tiny little baby that Gabriel was talking about before he was even born, he brought about undeserving grace to you and to me. We did not deserve Christ's death and resurrection. There is nothing that you and I could have ever done to receive that type of grace. But when we come to know the Lord, He says, Greetings, O favored one. God has shined His face upon you. You have the grace of Christ, even though you don't deserve it, even though I don't deserve it. Daryl Bach, probably the most uh, impactful Lucan theologian that I have ever read, he says this, she is a picture, that's Mary, she is a picture of those who receive God's grace on the basis of his kind initiative. The only reason why you and I can be saved and celebrate the table of the Lord is because of his kind initiative. That he sent the baby Jesus That he sent God in flesh to die on the cross for you and for me. This announcement is the announcement of the undeserved grace that you and I receive. Imagine also the grace that Mary has here in this moment. There was an article in Christianity, Christianity Today called The First Christian. And here's an undeserved grace of an announcement. And the, the author of that particular um, article, her name's McNutt, she said this, Mary knew who Christ was before anyone did because she was the very first person to whom God chose to reveal Christ's identity. Wow, that is favor. That she was the first one, this little 13-year-old girl, was the first one to realize the hope of the nations, and that she was going to have a part to play in it. When we look at women in in that day and age, they were not unknowledgeable about God's word. In fact, they were the first layer of teaching to their children. As the men were working and doing their work, the women were at home teaching their kids the Bible, sharing with them the hope of of the truth of God's love, sharing with them the hope of liberation. And so Mary understood what Gabriel was saying in this moment She was the first one to receive the announcement. That is a powerful, powerful aspect of grace. And you look at Mary's response. It says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Because she was not ignorant of the word of God, because she understood that something big was happening, it wasn't an aspect of distrust or an aspect of fear. It was an aspect of, oh no, that's the kind of crazy announcement that gets people in trouble and God does crazy things with them. What's going to happen? Right? That was her response is, what kind of greeting is this? What's going to happen with my life now? And then Gabriel answers her question, The second aspect of hope from this announcement is the hope of salvation, the hope of salvation. Gabriel says very specifically, you will name your child Jesus. Now, that's kind of an interesting thing if an angel comes to you and says, you need to name your child this, and she's like, okay, yeah, I'll name him Jesus. But Jesus in the Greek, maybe many of us might not understand, it literally means the Savior, And so he's saying to her, you are going to have a baby. You are filled with grace and you don't deserve it. And I'm telling you this powerful message that I know you recognize and understand. And you're going to name your child Jesus, the hope of salvation. Everything that has been anticipated for millennia, for thousands of years, from the moment Adam and Eve sinned, all of the hope from then to now is going to be realized. He looks at this little girl, this 13 to 16-year-old girl, and says, The hope of all the future, of all of history that we've been waiting for, is going to be in your belly. What an announcement. God was proclaiming that there will be salvation. That there is more to this life than, has what, than what has been happening there is going to be the hope of salvation. Essentially, she was being told that this is the biggest birth in all of history and you are blessed to be the carrier of this child. We then see a third aspect of hope in verses 30 through 33. Gabriel talks about a new king. The third aspect of hope is the hope of a new king. If you look at the Israelites at this point in their life, they were oppressed by Rome. They had been a people that had been exiled and beaten and brought back and overtaken. And there's so many thousands of years of this history, hundreds of years of being enslaved in Egypt. And then there was all of this slavery that happened to the Babylonians. And then they were finally allowed to get back into Jerusalem and they were conquered again. Rome came in and added on all kinds of taxes and all kinds of things. And the king that was on the throne was not the king that they were supposed to have he was a gentile king an evil tyrant to them someone who was not their king here gabriel promises that there will be a new king that all of the hope that you have had for the king to come and usurp the old king he's on his way he is coming There is so much hope that was going on in all of the scriptures. You can look at the the exilic, uh, the exilic prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah as they're exiled or about to be exiled. There's this promise of a king, and with a new king comes a new kingdom. The fourth aspect of hope is the hope of a new kingdom. The kingdom of tyranny would be replaced with the kingdom of the Lord. Mary receives this promise of hope. Not only will your son be the new king, there will be a new kingdom. And she understood what this meant. They've been waiting for a liberator. They've been waiting for another Moses to show up on the scene. They've been waiting for someone to take over the kingdom and bring it back to the Lord. They prayed for it. They waited for it. They anticipated it. There was an expectation because God said he would do it. I believe some had lost hope. I'm sure many had, if not all. But here we see this hope of a new kingdom. Finally, the king who was supposed to be on the throne of David will return to the throne, and he will rule forever. Now we recognize, and we're going to talk about this later as we unpack more aspects of hope, we recognize that the totality of the promise of a new kingdom was not going to happen in Jesus' lifetime. But here he promises, Gabriel promises the hope of a new kingdom. And that was a hope that they clung to and desired, and it's a hope that you and I also cling to, this beautiful aspect of hope of a new kingdom. Bach again says, this clearly recalls a deeply held hope that emerges from the Old Testament. A hope that this was not all that there is. I'm sure that there's been times in your life where you have said, I hope this is not all that there is. God has so much more in store. God has so much more in store for you and for me, not only here, but in heaven with him when the new heaven and the new earth come and interact with our world and everything is restored and changed, that kingdom is going to be a kingdom to live for. That is going to be a hopeful time. And you and I can anticipate that new kingdom with hope because Gabriel promised the new kingdom. Which leads me to the fifth aspect of hope, the hope of promises kept If you look at Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, 11 through 12, Isaiah 9, 61 and 66, in all of Jeremiah 33, we see this lacing of the promise of a new kingdom, of a new king, of a liberator. Mostly we see this in 2 Samuel 7, where God makes a pact with David and he says, you will have a king who will reign on your throne forever and ever. He makes a promise. And we've been unpacking different promises in Scripture as we've walked through Ephesians and the book of John, and we see that God is a good God who keeps His promises. Here, the the angel Gabriel looks at this 13-year-old girl and says, all of the promises that God has made will be made true in your child. All of the promises of Scripture will be made true in your child. Everything that God has said from the beginning to now will come true. I, I re- am reminded of a beautiful picture of art where there's uh, Eve and Mary together, where there is a, a snake that's wrapping, her, uh, wrapping uh, itself around Eve's leg. And as Mary steps, she's stepping on the head of the snake, and she's pregnant with Jesus, which shows us that the son of David would step on the head of the serpent. It's a beautiful image. And I wish I would have grabbed it and put it up here this week because it's a powerful image of what the angel was promising the hope of all things restored and all of it would happen all of these promises would be fulfilled in Jesus I don't know about you but if I'm Mary I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around how this could happen with one tiny little baby you and I, we take it for granted that we look back and we say, oh yeah, that's everything. Jesus fulfilled it all. But imagine before it even happened, and you're sitting there as a, as a guy or a gal, and the Lord says, your baby's going to fulfill all the promises. And you're like, wow, how can one child do all of that? I'm probably struggling in my mind thinking, how is this going to be? How is it even possible that this little baby could do all of these things? Well, it's true. Warren Wiersbe gives some some commentary here. He says, Jesus came to earth to be the Savior of the world, but he also came to fulfill the promises God made to the Jewish fathers. Jesus would fulfill all of the promises. Well, what about the promises that he did not yet fulfill? Because as we said that he has not yet fulfilled all of the promises that Gabriel even makes right here. Well, the sixth aspect of hope is the hope of Jesus' return. The hope of Jesus' return. Wearsby helps us understand why that is. He says, The throne he sits on is not the throne of David. One day, Jesus will return and establish his righteous kingdom on earth, and these promises will be fulfilled. Peter in 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Right now, when we look at Scripture, we see that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. But when the new heaven and the new earth come, He will sit upon the throne of David and rule the house of Jacob forever and ever. Here, Gabriel is giving a prophetic promise to you and to me. Imagine this conversation with this young girl is giving you and I hope for the future that Christ will return, that the earth that we live on now is broken, but Christ will come and he will make it new. Man, that's powerful. That's a prophetic word right there from an angel to a young 13-year-old girl. Now that aspect, I'm sure she did not fully understand. Because most of the Jews in that time were not thinking of of a duality of Jesus coming once and then coming again. They were thinking that it would just happen the way they wanted it. A military leader would come, annihilate the king, and he would sit on the throne, and the Lord would rule again through that person. But that was not God's plan. A baby would come, a baby would grow to a man, and he would then die, but he will come again, and that is the beauty of the hope of the gospel, because within us we say, this is not the way it was supposed to be. If you've ever said that, you have said a true statement, because the earth that you and I live on, the brokenness that goes on around us, was not the way it was meant to be. But guess what? He will come again and make it the way it's supposed to be. He will return and he will crush forever the head of the serpent. And the serpent will be cast down and everything will belong to him as it was supposed to. You and I as humans are broken and fallible, but Jesus was going to come and be perfect. And Mary heard this hope this hope that you and I have. The seventh aspect of hope that this announcement brings is the hope of the incarnation. Here, Gabriel promises that this baby will be the baby of the Lord. That the Holy Spirit will come and he will come upon you and put the baby within your womb. That this will be a son of God, the son of the most high. This is the theology of the incarnation that God will come in the flesh. We see this in John 1 where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see the promise of the incarnation. What this is a powerful reality. The two most difficult things to really wrap our heads around when it comes to the gospel is the resurrection and the incarnation. I would suggest that the incarnation is probably the most difficult theological or doctrinal reality that you and I can ever grasp. Why? Because we can see that someone can die and we can understand that they're raised again. In our our minds, we can get that. We can say, oh yeah, I've seen that in zombie movies or I've seen that in this different place. I've seen that there's people that come back to life. That makes some kind of sense. Now, the reality of it being possible is difficult for us to grasp. But the idea of God coming from heaven to be a human is a really hard thing for our minds to wrap around. And I think too often in Christmas, we say, oh yeah, he became a baby, God in flesh. But think about, think about this in real life, that the God, the creator of all things, came down to be a baby that a 13 or 14-year-old girl would have to care for this baby. And this baby was fully God and fully human. Mary had to change God's diapers. I mean, think about the reality of this. It's a really difficult thing to grasp our minds around, but the reality is it's true. Because if he was not fully God and fully man, his death would be meaningless. If he did not, if he was not fully God and fully man, he would not have raised from the dead. And if he did not raise from the dead, Paul says that our our belief in the Christian faith would be futile and we'd be pitied among all people because it would be such a silly belief. But the reality is Jesus did come, and Jesus was a baby, and Jesus lived with human limitations on purpose. We see that in the book of Philippians, where he humbled himself to be a human, the hope of the incarnation. Uh, A commentator, a Russian commentator who loves Jesus says this. He says, when it comes to the incarnation, the laws of nature are not chains which the divine legislator has laid upon himself. Let me say that again. The laws of nature are not chains which the divine legislator has laid upon himself. The laws of nature It makes sense to us. We think scientifically. We reason philosophically. We can come up with some sort of understanding in our brains of the laws of nature. But when it comes to the laws of nature, God does not follow them because he's the king of all. God can do whatever he wants to do. Theology 101. The incarnation is the self-revelation of the living God. Of the living God. What's remarkable, what's, excuse me, what's remarkable about this is we also see the theology of the second Adam, where we see the, the new Adam and the old Adam who had perished and caused all of the brokenness of man. Here we see the promise of the new Adam who would come and renew and make all things right. He would come and live the life Adam should have lived, live the life that you and I should have lived. Gabriel announces the promise, not just of the incarnation, but of the second Adam. The eighth aspect of hope we see in this announcement was the hope of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Verses 35 and 36, And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. He's saying, listen, not only is this going to happen, but you'll see a sign. Your cousin, you will see. You will see a, a barren woman have a child, and that will be a sign to you to prove the reality of what I'm saying to you now. The Holy Spirit would come and put Jesus within Mary's womb. And then when Jesus would die and rise again, he would send the Holy Spirit to indwell our lives. Look at this promise. I know it can be sometimes difficult to recognize, but we see all three aspects of the Trinity, where God the Father sent Jesus, sent the Holy Spirit into Mary's womb to create God the Son. And you and I have the hope of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the most powerful realities, the powerful aspects of hope that you and I have today. Because if you look at yourself, and I look at myself in the mirror, I recognize everything the Bible calls me to do, I cannot do without the Holy Spirit. You and I need the Holy Spirit. Just as Mary needed the Holy Spirit to fill her womb, you and I need the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with himself so that you and I can glorify Christ with our lives. The hope of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now listen to, her question was not a question of faith. When she asked the question in verse 34, "How will this be since I'm a virgin?" It's not a question of faith doubting that this is going to happen. She's just really curious. I kind of understand anatomy. Biology, I get it. How's that going to work? And so Gabriel answers her question. One of the most beautiful things about this passage is we can see Mary's faith. A young girl believed what this was saying. If a 13-year-old girl can believe it, why do you and I struggle with it? She came to a place of recognition. She came to a place of acceptance of her role. And when God said, through Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will fill your womb, she says, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I got it now. It wasn't an aspect of disbelieving the promise. It was just wondering how the process would work. And Gabriel answers her question. The Holy Spirit would place Jesus within her womb. And the ninth aspect of hope that you and I see is the hope of the Lord's strength. One of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture is verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. It's its own verse for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, sometimes you and I can take that out of context, right? And and we use it as as kind of a a, a card to get through certain things in life that maybe we're not supposed to be doing. We're like, well, nothing's impossible with God. If he's with you, (laughs) nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. As she was talking to Gabriel, he was saying, listen, all these things that sound crazy, All these things that sound a little bit hard to grasp for you and for me. Gabriel's like, listen, nothing is impossible with God. If God wants to put a baby in someone's womb, he can, and he will. If God wants to raise Jesus from the dead, he can, and he will. We have the hope of the Lord's promise this Advent season as we focus upon the beauty of of the birth of Jesus, as we focus upon the beauty of the announcements that come through the scripture, as we look at the reality of hope and peace and joy and love from the advent, let us never forget, let us never forget the reality of the Lord's strength. Because nothing is impossible for God. How can we believe that Jesus became a baby? Because nothing is impossible. With God, How can we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead because nothing is impossible with God? How can we have hope in the midst of hopeless situations in our life because God has nothing impossible for Him? That is the answer. That is the truth. That is the reality of the advent of Jesus. The hope that you and I have is that nothing is impossible with the Lord. Another portion of that, that article from the first Christian, Jennifer McNutt, she writes this, Mary was the first to receive the good news of Christ and the first one to assent to it. From that point on, she continued to assent, to faithfully bear and raise him to adulthood. As we look at this announcement of hope, will you and I faithfully assent to its truth? Will you and I live with this desire for the king to rule in our lives? Will you and I allow the hope of the reality of the Lord's strength that nothing is impossible with him? Will we allow that hope to drive our lives? Will we assent to that? I pray that we will. As we get excited about the coming of the Lord, as we anticipate this time during Advent, May we be driven by the hope that the Lord is strong and that nothing is impossible with him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this announcement of hope. I thank you for the angel Gabriel's words that you gave to Mary. I thank you that Mary, understanding that she did not deserve the grace that you were giving her, the favor that you were giving her, I thank you that she said yes. Father, I pray that as we look at this season of hope, that we will say yes to you, that we will trust in your strength, and as we look at hopeless situations, that we can put our hope in you, knowing that nothing is impossible with you, amen.